Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey, we're so glad that you're here. If you're visiting with us for the first time or this is your first time in a long time, where was you at last weekend? Man, when I tell you guys showed out up in here last weekend, it was amazing. We're glad you're here this weekend, but man, it was amazing last weekend for Easter Sunday. Hey, the worship was lit. Yeah, the, 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 the word that Dave gave us was on point. It was on fleek, as the young people say, right? And uh, for, for, for baptisms, you guys know at 1030, it just got crazy here. We have 41 candidates for baptism. 41. 41. You guys know here the 1030 service, I, I think a lot of y'all tapped out. It was like, well, shit, after 20, I mean, God, we, we got to go eat. This is ridiculous. All right. But it was, it was awesome. And um, for, if you're here today and you wanted to kind of jump in, uh, but for whatever reason, last week maybe it was the number or you had a commitment with Easter supper or whatever. And maybe today you're saying, man, I want to I jump in and see what God is doing here. We'd love to take you. Uh, the Holy Jacuzzi is ready for you. And me and Dave and, and Randy, we're here. If you want to participate in that spiritual experience, we would love to uh, be a part of that with you. Amen. So we'll make that available for you uh, after the close of services today. If you're worshiping with us online... Sup? We're so glad you're here. Um, I want to dive into this because I got a lot to give you this morning. So, growing up, I was born in 1972, everybody, and born up, growing up in the late 70s and, and early 80s, uh, there were several TV shows, y'all, that I had to watch. Like, I could not miss. This is one Happy Days. Why my Happy Days Christians, right? A few of y'all, right? This is just a great show. Different strokes, right? Yeah, yeah. I love Arnold and Willis and those guys. Uh, but as I got older, y'all, I started getting into shows like this. Come on, the A-Team, right? B.A. Baracus, I pity the fool, right? I loved him. I loved him. But then um, this show, Ripley's Believe It or Not, how many of y'all used to watch this show? You know, a lot of you guys. And so I love this show because this show, everybody, uh, they had so many ridiculous things on it. It just captured me as a young person, like, for real? Y'all doing that? Really? All right. This guy right here, apparently, y'all, he had the ability to cover his bottom, his, his nose with the, his bottom lip. Everybody do it right now. I want to see you. Can anybody do it? Raise your hand. I got one guy trying. Yeah. Bro, I, I literally almost had to call 911. I was yanking so hard. I think there's something ungodly about this guy, personally. Now, yes. This person right here actually is a female. Yeah, yeah, believe it or not. No pun intended, believe it or not. It's a female. Yeah, this, this female has what you call werewolf syndrome. Yeah, and, and what happens is uh, her, her hair grows very thick, very quickly all over her body. I got a young lady looking at me right now, kind of like, she, whatever syndrome she got, uh, a good beautician and a good spa treatment to take care of that syndrome. I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. Let me show you this last picture. I want to introduce you to a young man by the name of Willie Camper. Now, at the time he took this picture, everybody, he was 19 years old from Memphis, Tennessee. Willie Camper, you can see the measurements, eight foot six inches tall. 
480. If he was in the NFL draft this weekend, number one draft pick right here. All right? 86480. Uh, I, I said it earlier. This is like Goliath's great, 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 great nephew on his daddy's side. 86480, right? And, and the, 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 the legend of Willie Camper is, I, show him one more time, Shannon. I want you all to take a look at his hands. Look at his hands. Can you see his hands? About to say his hands were so enormous that he could hold an entire dozen of eggs in a palm of his hand without one being on top of the other. That's how enormous this guy was. And so, you know, looking at stories like Willie and the guy with the lip and all of those different things, you know, it just really captured me. And if you guys remember who are, are, believe it or not, fans, they would always leave us with the tagline, believe it or not, right? That always leave us with that. And everybody, as I think about Willie Camper and, and that show, that question, everybody, is the question on this post-Easter weekend that I feel challenged to challenge us with today. It is the question, everybody, that Jesus post-resurrection challenged Thomas with uh, in John chapter 20 for our time together today. John chapter 20, verse 19, everybody says this. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear. Somebody say locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Look at verse 24. Now, Thomas, also known as what? Didymus, say Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hand, put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand, put it into my side. Everybody say this with me. Stop doubting and believe. And it was that statement, church, that inspired the title of this message today as Dave has had us in this amazing series called Doubt uh, for the last several weeks. Uh, The title of this sermon for my note takers is Jesus, Believe Him or Not. Jesus, believe him or not, right? And, and, and as I was studying this, uh, I wonder if you're like me when I was studying this. The first time I read this passage, man, I was all over Thomas. I gave him, with the, I gave him the Chicago, uh, bruh. Really? I mean, Thomas, how could you not believe Jesus? How could you not do it? I mean, uh, I, I was just thinking, uh, how long you been walking with Jesus? Three years? All day, every day, for three years, right? That's a big deal, right? And uh, how many prophecies did Jesus fulfill in his lifetime? Dave taught us last week, it was like over 300 prophecies Jesus fulfilled in his lifetime. And oh, by the way, Thomas, uh, how many miracles did you personally see Jesus perform, right? 
The Bible says Jesus performed so many miracles, church, uh, that they couldn't even record all of them in the Gospels. And so you take all the miracles that we can actually count or record it, multiply it by two or three, and we might be close, right? That's how many miracles that Thomas himself actually saw. And Jesus had to say to Thomas, stop what? Doubting and believe. Somebody say doubt. Doubt. I have to look up that word in the Greek. And that word for my note takers in the Greek literally means to be an unchristian or an unbeliever. Are y'all seeing that? Jesus said to Thomas, stop doubting. In other words, he was saying, Thomas, stop being unchristian. Stop being an unbeliever, which kind of had me in a quandary a little bit because I'm thinking this is really pointed language that Jesus was sharing with one of his followers. And I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute, what do we know about Thomas? Thomas was one of the 12. He wasn't just some guy that was hanging on, right? He was with Jesus every day, all day. For how long? Three years, all right? I mean, Jesus, are you really saying Thomas was an unbeliever, all right? Are you you really saying he was unchristian? I mean, we know that uh, to be a Christian, that word literally means to be like Christ or Christ-like or to be a follower of Christ, right? He followed you for three years. Why would you use that type of language to call him unchristian or an unbeliever? And so as I was wrestling with this, it came to me, uh, you know, you can actually be one thing, but there are moments well, you can act like something totally different. Okay, I'm, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to try this out. <laughs> you know, you can actually be one thing. But then there are moments when you act like something totally different. Okay, okay, okay. I like the false enthusiasm, but I'm, I'm going to get to you in a minute. I'm going to get to you in a minute. It's going to make sense. Let me say it like this. You can actually be a 38-year-old man. Okay, but if somebody eat the last of your Easter apple pie, there are moments where you can act like a 10-year-old boy, especially if you that dude that you was thinking about that slice of pie all day at work, right? You was looking forward to that pie. You had revelations of what the pie was going to taste like a la mode. Ooh, I just felt something in the spirit right there, right? And then you reach into the fridge to get the pie, and it's gone. And then the transformation happens. Who ate my pie? Who ate my 10-year-old right there? Right? Yeah. What am I saying? I'm saying, yeah, you can actually be a Christian. You can actually be a believer, but yet have moments where you operate in doubt and belief. You can actually be in church, in a small group, in your Bible regularly, hanging with Christian couples and friends, just like Thomas, every day with Jesus, every day with disciples, but yet still have moments. Am I talking to any real people in the room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have moments where you walk unbecoming of who you truly are. And everybody, everybody, this is the big question that I think we need to answer today as we're wrestling with this opportunity, this series of doubt, the big question we need to answer this morning is, why did or what caused Thomas to doubt Jesus then? And why do and what causes all of us to doubt Jesus now? 
Why did or what caused Thomas to doubt Jesus then? And why do or what causes us to doubt Jesus now? You know, I think I figured out the answer. Y'all think, do y'all know what the answer is? Fear. Somebody say fear. Fear. Now, now, this is more of a hypothesis, but Dave touched on this in the last two weeks of the series that he was teaching us. Remember last week, Dave was talking about, don't fear the bad news shadow. Remember he taught us that last week? He said, because shadows ain't real. Remember that? He said, but rather fear the bad news shadow, we put our trust and our faith in the light of the, of the sun, right? And so he was touching on this, and I felt like, you know, he, he was on to something, so I wanted to go a little bit deeper here. So this is a little bit of a hypothesis. I, I'm, I'm performing a dissertation for the 1030 worship, all right? And so I want you guys to, when this is over, if I've connected the dots properly, y'all, you know, just let me know. And, of course, if I screw this up, we got Dave to fix it next week. Praise God. Praise God. All right. So I say fear. Now, side note really quickly. Um, if you are in the room today and you are, you are an identical twin or you are connected to identical twins, raise your hand. If you're identical, identical. Okay. I got some hands in the air. Identical twins. Okay. What's your name? What is it? Trisha, hey, Trisha, do you have an identical brother or sister? A sister that looks like you? All right, so Trisha, uh, I'm going to be kind of deferring to you a little bit in this next segment of my sermon. And if uh, I screw this up, the whole sermon is jacked up. No pressure. No pressure, Trisha. All right, and so here's the thing about identical twins, everybody. Identical twins they have a very unusual but powerful connection. Okay, I'm good, I'm good, all right? Very unusual but powerful connection. You can be an identical twin and be in separate parts of the house and your identical counterpart stubs their toe and you can be all over on the other side of the house. You can be like, oh, oh, be careful up there. You all right? All right, all right. You can be an identical twin and be on the other side of the country and get into an argument with your significant other and you walk out of the house and before you hit the door, your twin on the phone, what do you do this time, girl? I don't know what your problem is, right? There's something about the connection that identical twins share that is absolutely powerful. Well, church, you do recognize that there are twins in Scripture, Did y'all know that? Did you know that Thomas was actually a twin? The Bible says Thomas, also known as Didymus. You know what that word Didymus means? It means twin. Yeah. So Thomas was a twin. But you know there are other twins in Scripture? Now, you guys better write this down because I didn't create a slide for you. You might want to write these down. I'm going to share a few twins with you in Scripture and see if this makes sense. Uh, Grace and mercy. Twins. You don't get one without the other. There's a connection there. You seeing that? Let me give you another set of twins. Uh, uh, Death and the grave. Twins. You see them very frequently mentioned together in Scripture, right? Let me give you another set of uh, twins. Y'all ready for this one? Fear and doubt. 
And many times when you walk in fear, guess what's connected to that? Doubt. The twins, right? But here's another set of twins that trumps that set of twins. Faith and belief. Yeah. Twins. And I believe, everybody, Jesus is so brilliant when he was speaking to Thomas about stop doubting. Jesus understood that Thomas would understand this particular line of questioning because Thomas himself was a twin. And what Jesus was trying to communicate to him was, listen, you got to be real careful about how you connect yourselves with certain things because there are some twins connected with that. There's some stuff that's connected. And when you walk in fear, you will always doubt because they're twins, one twin to another. He could make sense of that, right? And so Jesus was trying to encourage him, I need you to walk in faith because what's connected to faith is belief because they're twins. Is this making sense, church? All right. Now, 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 now watch this. Let me share this with you. Now, it's important that we understand that because here's a note for you. Fear feeds our doubt. But faith feeds our belief. You see that? Fear feeds our doubt, but faith feeds our. And here's, what, here's the thing. The enemy hopes that he gets the followers of Jesus to walk in fear versus live by faith because he knows that faith feeds our doubt, but, excuse me, fear feeds our doubt, but faith feeds our belief. Amen? All right. So let's dive into this. The danger about walking in fear is church fear drowns. Say drowns. Now, really quickly, we in church so you can't lie. Okay, how many of you are in here, you cannot swim, you are terrified of water, and you have a real fear of drowning? Raise your hand if that's you. Okay, a few of y'all in here. How you doing? I saw you raise your hand. What's your name? Annabelle, can you swim? You still scared and you can swim. We're going to pray for you after after the service. All right, all right. And so for those of you who cannot even swim, right? Let me share this with you. Did you know that lifeguards are trained when they see someone drowning? They are trained, everybody, uh, to not immediately dive in to save a drowning person. Did y'all know that? And the reason why they're trained not to immediately go in and save a drowning person is because when a person is drowning, they are so terrified of drowning that their rationale and their reasoning and their, and, their, and their frame of thinking is warped. So they're not trying to hear nothing. They're desperate. And they will literally kill you and drown you. Uh, you pointing at, at your, she would do that? Praise God. Praise God. She ratted you out. It wasn't me. It wasn't me, right? They will literally kill you in effort to save themselves, right? And so what they teach lifeguards is allow the person to wear themselves out a little bit. And then dive in and rescue them because by that time, they're so tired of fighting that they're in a position where they can listen, they can hear, and they can understand proper command and instruction. Man, that'll preach all by itself. I wish I had time to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But watch this. True story. Uh, my, my wife and sister went down to Mexico about, about a year and a half ago. They was on a girl's trip. And they took two girlfriends with them, close, close buddies. One of them couldn't swim. 
They had to talk the girlfriend into uh, jumping on some jet skis to go out in the Gulf. Long story short, a big wave came and knocked my sister and their mutual friend off the jet ski. And so now the mutual friend who can't swim is in the water panicking. She's terrified. She got on a life vest, but it don't matter. She's still, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, right? She's going all through all of that. My wife, oh, by the way, uh, the woman was 5'10", 230, grown woman. Wrong woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife, who many of you have seen, you know, she's this little petite thing, 5'5", five, five, about 130. And she, she tells me later, Ray, I was trying to pull her out of the Gulf. I was trying my best. But she was just so frantic that she was really about to pull me in and kill me. So I literally had to get, get off of me, right? I just, I, she, she just wouldn't listen. And so now there's a guy on the shore seeing all of this happen, literally dives in and starts swimming towards their friend. Now, by the way, his measurements, about 5'7", five, 5'8", five, about 170, 175. What did I say about the woman? 5'10", how much? A little bit of a mismatch. A little bit of a mismatch, right? And so here's this little guy trying to help this big old lady on this, on, on this jet ski and my wife tells the story, she was almost killed this guy who did not have a vest on, trying to help their friend on the ski. And, my, and he's just like, I'm trying to help you. It was just, it was crazy. He almost died, right? And my wife later says, you know, I had to use some language that God wouldn't be pleased with. None of y'all know nothing about that. Y'all so holy around here. Yeah. <laughs> to get her to re- relax, Right? And just so you guys know, everybody made it. Nobody died, praise God, right, right, right. But here's the bigger point. When you're fearful, things that should make sense, things that are normally reliable and rational aren't anymore because when you're walking in fear, you know, you, like the young people say, are all up in your feelings, (laughs) right? And that's a problem because now rational thinking and reality, it doesn't work for you, right? And here it is, church, if, if, I was, if Thomas was here today and I had an opportunity to sit with him, what I would say to Thomas is, uh, when did Jesus ever make a statement to the disciples that didn't actually come to pass? Can, can you recall the time? Now, church, I don't have a doctor after my name like the esteemed Pastor David Clark. All right? I'm not a theologian. I'm not a Bible scholar. But I've been in this Bible for a long time. I don't recall a time when Jesus actually made a statement to the disciples that didn't actually happen. Do y'all? Can y'all recall a time? Let's, let's just dive into the scriptures real quickly. I don't have a whole lot of time to dive into this, but I want to be a little uh, theolo- theological today, Dave. Uh, Mark chapter 4, look at what it says. It says, on that day when the evening had come, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, shut up. I mean, peace. Be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Yeah. And they were filled with great what? Now, this is a different fear. This isn't the I'm scared fear. 
This is the I'm so awed by what I just saw. I respect you, fear. Big difference, right? Okay. And, he's, and they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Even the wind and the sea do what he says. Hey, Jesus said it. We need to believe it. And that ought to settle it. All right, let me show you one more. Let me show you one more. Matthew chapter 17, watch this. It says, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Isn't it interesting how so many times when we're going through something really tragic, we bring our stuff to everybody else but Jesus? This is a real cultural point right there. I'm going to keep going. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that very moment, right? Rebuke means he yelled at it. Jesus said it. We need to believe it, and that ought to settle it. And, and, I, and I say all this to say to y'all today, uh, have you ever been in a stormy situation? Uh, has anybody in the room ever wondered how you was going to make it with so little resource and so little opportunity? I wonder if I got anybody in this space where nobody that you turned to had an answer to the problem that you was dealing with. My question for you this morning is, I wonder if you talked to Jesus about it. Have you heard what Jesus had to say about your situation? Because bottom line, I don't care what it looked like. I don't care what it feel like. At the end of the day, we need to get to the place to whether we're going to believe him or we're going to believe what our girlfriend says. Are we going to believe him or are we going to believe what Oprah says? Are we going to believe him or are we going to believe what the doctor says? Bottom line, church, I'd be a whole lot more interested in what Jesus had to say about it than any fool on the earth got to say about it. Yeah. We got to get to the point where we say, whose report are you going to believe? I hope, church, we will believe the report of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Because when did Jesus ever say anything that didn't actually happen? Right? Let me show you this in John chapter 11. After he said this, he went on to say or tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to... Wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, look, dog, Lazarus is dead. You see that? And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Watch this, y'all. Then Thomas, also known as, that word didimus means. All right, see, I learned something today. I just want to make sure, Okay said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may. I'm so confused. Where did Jesus talk about dying in that soliloquy? Did y'all see him talking about that anywhere? Yeah, I, I, I thought he said Lazarus was dead too. Yeah, he ain't saying nothing about him dying. He was talking about Lazarus, right? And here it is, church. When we're fearful, that's exactly what happens to us. You know, we're drowning in our own fear. And so rational thought rational reality, it doesn't process with us because we're thinking about our own fears, right? Jesus never talked about dying, and everything he said up until that point came to pass. So why wouldn't Thomas cling to what Jesus said versus how he felt? 
And that's exactly what happens to us when we cling on to fear. There's something connected to fear, and that thing that connected to fear is what? Doubt. And when we walk in fear, doubt comes with it. And things that we used to believe and used to trust now don't look so reliable anymore. Am I talking to anybody? All right? And so we got to be very careful not to walk in fear. The enemy wants us drowning in the doubts of yesterday. And what we don't want to do, church, is to allow our fears and our doubts to dictate our conversation and our behavior. What we want is our faith and God's word to drive our thoughts and our actions. Amen? So number one, we know that fear drowns. But number two, we know fear also drives, say drives, all right? What, what is fear, where does fear drive us, Ray? Fear drives us out of the presence of a loving and compassionate God. Drives us straight out of his presence. Y'all remember when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden? Sent into the picture? Y'all remember that? Let me show you what happens here. I'm sure you picture this. Genesis chapter 8. It says, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and a man and his wife did what? Hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where you at? You see it? See it? See it? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked. And I, are y'all seeing this? That's what fear does. Fear drives. It drives us right out of the presence of a loving, compassionate, and holy God, right? And I believe, church, that is exactly what happened to Thomas, right? Let me show you in John chapter 20. See if y'all can connect the dots with me. Is this making sense, y'all? I know this is a soliloquy. This is a little bit of a hypothesis, right? A di- uh, uh, what's, what's, what's what I use? Dissertation, thank you. Yeah, I'm using all these big words. I'm a football player. What am I doing? Okay, here we go. John chapter 20. The Bible says, the disciples were overjoyed. When they saw the Lord, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Thomas, also known as, which means, right, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. And the answer is, why was he not with them? The question is, why was he not with them? I believe Joshua's fear. Right? We already know Jesus was afraid. I mean, Thomas was afraid, right? We remember in John chapter 11, what did he say? Well, let's go to so that we may die with him. Jesus didn't even say that. Why was he afraid? Well, Dave taught us last week they were going to Bethany. Bethany was just a stone's throw away from Jerusalem, right? In Jerusalem, that's where the Jewish leaders hung out. They were trying to take Jesus out and anybody that was with him. And so Thomas was just like, well, if we go to Bethany, that's just as good as going to Jerusalem. Once them folk find out we're in Bethany, we dead, right? And so he was afraid to die. And in this part of the passage, you guys got to remember, Jesus had been crucified already. According to Thomas, he's thinking, you know, he already dead. And even though he had been with Jesus for three years, all day, every day for three years, he'd seen the sermons. He'd heard the teaching. In his mind, we already knew, you know, Thomas kind of has this pessimistic mindset, right? Let us go with him so that we may die. Kind of a pessimistic guy. Do y'all know people like that? I, I, I call them yeah butters. 
yeah butters. Like every time you got something positive to say, they got a yeah but. Yeah. Y'all know what happened this week in the NFL draft? Oh, my God, I just got drafted in the second round by the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, but if, what if you get cut? Well, man, can I just, can I enjoy just five minutes of being drafted? Right? And I know nobody in here does that, but y'all know folk like that, right? Every time you got something positive to say, they got a yeah, but. Right? Thomas is kind of this guy. Right? And, and, and so Jesus is dead, and I think he's thinking to himself, but all of the great sermons and all of the great teachings, what if this time he don't have a sermon for this? Yeah, I saw him resurrect uh, the 12-year-old girl. I saw him resurrect uh, the boy uh, that was dead and give him back to his mother. I saw him at this point in Scripture resurrect Lazarus who had been dead four days, but now he dead. What if this time uh, he can't resurrect himself? Yeah, butter. What if? Right? And so when we allow fear to drive our actions, it literally drives us from the presence of a good and holy God. And what's dangerous about that, and I need y'all to get this point, what's dangerous about that is when we do that, church, uh, um, what happens is, watch this, uh, when God doesn't answer our prayers the way we think we, he ought to answer them, or when we're operating in fear versus faith, what happens is we stop going to church. And we stop spending time in our Bible. And we stop going to small group like Thomas was, wasn't with his small group. The disciples were with his small group. He stopped hanging out with his small group. And when that happens, y'all, we are out of position. Somebody say out of position. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Verse 26 says, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Now, what happened a week before? Let's go back to John chapter 20, verse 20. It says, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The rest of the guys were where they were supposed to be. And it's amazing. When you're doing what you're supposed to do, where you're supposed to be, despite what's going on around you, isn't it amazing how Jesus show up? And Jesus just kind of showed up. And the Bible says when he showed up, watch what he did. He breathed on them and gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit. But guess who was missing? Thomas was missing. When Jesus showed up with this blessing, with this gift. This said a week later. Other translations, the Bible says eight days later, Thomas was with him. And that is... Um, what I like to call, that's a symbolic term. It could be eight days. It could be eight weeks. It could be eight months. It could be eight years. I don't know about y'all, but I don't have eight days to be out of position when Jesus is trying to get me a blessing, when Jesus is trying to get me a position, when Jesus is trying to open a door for me, when Jesus wants to take me to a place and use me for his glory. I don't have eight days to be out of position to miss what God is doing in my life. I don't have it. And what happens, church, is when fear dictates our actions, it drowns our thinking, and it drives us from his presence, right? But here's the good news. Even though fear drowns, and even though fear drives, the good news is, y'all, love draws. Isn't that great? Watch this. We're almost done. The Bible says, Though the doors were locked, somebody say the doors were locked. 
Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. This is my favorite part of this verse. Y'all do know Jesus scared these dudes, right? (laughs) Do y'all know that? Come on now. The doors were locked. The windows were barred. The lights were low. They were whispering because they didn't want anybody to know they were in the house. And they was already scared, right? And Jesus kind of show up, peace. I bet you Jesus was in heaven like, God, watch this, watch this, watch this. Peace. I know he did. You know, have you ever seen a grown man terrified? It's hilarious. You know, it was dudes diving over tables and under chairs, dropping in each other. Like, ah, ah. Y'all so funny. I can't believe y'all got me talking about this. He says, watch this. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. He says, reach out your hand. Put it in my side. Are you seeing the love of the Father in this moment? Because, church, did Jesus owe Thomas any explanation? Was Jesus entitled to prove himself to Thomas at that moment? No. All right? But here's the loving grace of a father that though we miss it, though we blow it, though we fall short, he still pursues. He still runs after us. He is still wanting to draw us closer to himself. That's what I appreciate about Genesis chapter 3 that we just read earlier. Even though Adam and Eve blew it, God didn't walk away from them. But when they were hiding themselves in the garden, God was walking right toward them. Just like he walking right toward you, right toward you, right toward you, right toward you right now. Whatever you've done, wherever you've been, have you blown it, have you missed it, God is still walking right toward you saying, I love you anyway, and I want you to come home and be with your loving father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love draws, right? Watch this. He says, stop doubting and believe. Stop acting like you're not a Christian. You're a Christian. Act like one. You're a believer. Act like one, right? Don't worry about what you've done in the past. Don't worry about where you struggled back in the day. Because you're in Christ, guess what? you brand new. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm not thinking about what you did five years, five weeks, five minutes ago. I love you right now. I want you right now. I redeem you right now. I've saved you right now, right? For my purpose and for my glory and for my honor. So if I'm not thinking about it, you stop thinking about it. Stop doubting. Stop acting like you're not righteous and you're not worthy. Because in and of yourself, you're not, but through the blood of Christ, you are. And church, that's the gospel. A God that loves us so much that despite what we've done, despite how we've blown it, continues to pursue us anyhow and continues to draw us back to himself. And that's the good news. That is the gospel. And that's why we love him so much, right? Watch this. I'm closing with this. Verse 28 says this. He says, my Lord and my God. I love this because basically in that statement, he's saying, not only are you my master, but you're my God and my Savior. All right? He proclaims that in that sentence. Here's this. Verse 29. Because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those 
who have not seen and have yet believed. I believe that passage, verse 29, was for us. Because unlike Thomas, we don't get to see Jesus in the flesh every day like he did, right? We don't get to actually see the Savior, but we get to see uh, things that God does, right? Let me say it like this. Uh, I wonder, even though we don't get to actually see Jesus in the flesh, how many of you have ever seen Jesus do something miraculous, mighty, that only he could do in a situation that you knew you couldn't get out of otherwise? Right? If that's you, what he's saying to us in that moment is, that's where I want your focus to be. Not afraid of the next challenge or the next situation that's a yeah, but, a what if, All right? No, you place your faith and get yourself connected to who I am and what I've done for you in the past. Because you heard me say this before. If he did it before, he will do it again. And that's where we place our faith in because when we place our faith in that, then we will believe because faith and belief are twins. When we don't do that, we operate in fear. And God's saying, don't connect yourself to fear. Why? Because fear got a twin, and that twin is church. When we walk in fear, we will always, but when we walk in faith, there's a twin connected to that. And when we walk in faith, we will always believe. Is this making sense? Church, our charge today is to not act like what we're not. We've been saved. We've been redeemed. We've got a new walk, a new talk, and a new nature. Let's walk like it. Let's act like it. Amen? Maybe somebody here today, you're saying, my first act needs to be, I want to have that spiritual experience that I saw happen last week. I want Dave, I want Ray, I want Randy to baptize me. I want to say no to my old life. I want to be resurrected anew in the life promised to me by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If that's you today, I want to invite you, run down here. Let us help you uh, be a part of that process. We would love to do that at the close of service today. You might be here and you saying, Ray, that message resonated with me. I've lived in fear for far too long and I'm tired of that dictating my actions and my behaviors. I just want somebody to, to pray for me. I want to leave that here at the altar. I want to leave that here and I want to walk out of here with a renewed sense of faith because I know once I have faith, then I will. Y'all such a good class. I love it. I love it. If that's you, you want to get baptized, or you just want us to pray for you and encourage you, you want to do that. Let's pray, and then I want you to come. Father, thank you for this word today. God, what an amazing series Davis had us in on doubt. And God, thanks for teaching us what that looks like. We know that fear is connected to doubt. And we don't want to operate in fear because we do not want to doubt you. You've done too much. You've blessed us so often. God, you've come through time after time after time. We want to stop doubting, and we want to believe. And in order to do that, guys, we've got to get our faith up. Faith is connected to belief. Help us to walk in faith, because you said without faith, it is impossible to please you. That's our goal today. Maybe somebody's act of faith is giving their life to you, going through the spiritual experience of baptism. I pray nothing stops them from coming today. Maybe somebody's 
act of faith today is coming down here and allowing us to just encourage them in prayer. I pray nothing stops them from taking that step today. Whatever it is you want to do, Father God, would you do it in us today that we may take another step closer to you and be who you called us to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please come. Love you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.